0: Hello, and welcome to the Friday Reporter Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa, and the podcast is in partnership with PR Daily, which is the preeminent brand for public relations professionals delivering news, advice, opinions, and benchmarking via prdaily.com. Join me there to find more episodes for the podcast. And if you like the podcast, please do leave a review and share it with your colleagues so that more folks can find it online. Thanks so much. Well, hello, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Friday Reporter Podcast. Today's episode is with, well, probably the most determined and committed communicator I have ever known. My good friend, Chris Cannon, and I started in, my goodness, we're not going to date ourselves today. We promised that ahead of time. Uh, but I will say that I in our time together at the TSC Update, there was one friend that I admired quite a bit because his determination and his commitment to get into broadcast was stronger and really more uh, committed than really anyone I knew. So Chris Cannon is with me today, and he today is the Director of Communications in Tennessee for the Department of Labor and Workforce Development. Chris, thank you so much for being with me.
1: Thank you, and i just promoted to Chief Communications Officer, so... The promotions are happening. So that's good news.
0: That means that, well, we knew this already that you were going to be a great asset to them. But I want you to start, I mean, rewind a little bit with me and talk to me about, I mean, so we were at, what's now the college of new jersey but at the time it was tr- the good old trenton state college in new jersey and uh, and broadcast was like straight up in your sights and you were committed to get out into the field and you did it and i want to know how you did it and how it worked and talk to me about a little bit how that went and then we'll get to how you're doing and what you're doing today
1: Television was something I always wanted to do. I was the nerd who got up early before school just to watch the news and then and then go to school. Uh, so from sixth grade on, it was something I've always wanted to do. And I set my sights on that. I started uh, my first year of college. I went to school in Pittsburgh and then came back home uh, to Trenton State, the College of New Jersey now, which was literally the school that was a mile from the house I grew up in. Uh, so went back there great school. This is a, still a great school. Um, I think they call it the Public Ivy League of New Jersey. It's a, it's a good school.
0: Tell everybody. Probably
1: not the best school to go to for <laughs> broadcast journalism because they didn't really have a broadcast journalism program. So I majored in journalism, minored in communications and thought it would be real easy just to put those two together from the print side to the TV side. And, and it wasn't. Uh, so in college, I worked on that reel and, and we went out and we our friend Carrie, we went out and we shot stories, just dummy stories, and put put them together on a um, a three quarter inch tape back then. I
0: and,
1: and I mean, it was just such a. It's so different now. It's it's kind of remarkable how different things are now than they were back then. Uh, but it wasn't a great tape, and I didn't really have any broadcast experience even in college, where you go to you know you go to a Mizzou or a Syracuse these days, and you're leaving school.
0: With a real, with a
1: great reel, because they yeah. put on professional newscasts. So uh-huh. we didn't have that advantage. Um, had two job offers: one in Victoria, Texas, which is just clear across the world from New Jersey, right? <laughs> and one in Binghamton, New York, which right. was Close four out. hours away from home.
0: Hmm.
1: So the, the the Victoria, Texas job was paying twelve thousand five hundred dollars a year. Wow. Uh, the Binghamton, New York job paid eleven thousand four hundred dollars a year. And I remember talking to the news director on the phone and him saying, you know, we can we can pay you eleven thousand dollars, four hundred. That's all we can pay. And we cannot pay moving costs. And I could not have been more excited to get that job and to pick up everything and move to Bingham to New York uh, to probably work at one of the top five worst television stations in the entire United <laughs> States. Of, I mean, it was uh, a horrible, horrible, horrible television station.
0: Why do you say that?
1: Uh, oh, there was a staff of. First, we just did the news 6 and 11 o'clock, Monday through Friday, no (laughs) weekend news, um, no morning news. We recorded the little cut-ins that was an ABC station to Good Morning America the night before, after the news. Um, So just... We had horrible equipment, super VHS. We had a red Ford Festiva with a big 34 on the side of it. That if you went too fast down the <laughs> interstate, the the doors started to shake. Um, oh my! One teleprompter, and it was the one you fed the paper through. Mm-hmm. Um, no newsroom system, no archive system, no no anything, just nothing at all. And that was my that was really my master's degree in TV because that's bet. where I learned to do what I needed to do. So uh, made eleven thousand four hundred there from November to August. Got a new news director in August. He's like, you guys can't work for this much money. This is ridiculous. And got us raises to fifteen thousand six hundred. Wow,
0: a king's like, ransom.
1: <laughs> I mean, it literally was like winning the lottery. I believe it. I moved about twelve years ago from one place here in Nashville to the next. And I would kept pay stubs from that first job, and every wow. two weeks I was taking home three hundred and thirty three dollars.
0: Oh my gosh, which is
1: just just crazy. So from there, <clears throat> I got a little better, kind of figured out what was going on, learned what TV news was, and and how to do it fairly decently. Uh, got an agent. Did um, I have an agent then? No, I didn't have an agent then. I was still doing it on my own Mm -hmm. Uh, and got a job offer in Cape Girardeau, Missouri to be the weekend morning news anchor.
0: Wow. I'd never
1: heard of Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Did all my research because I knew TV markets inside and out back then. Yeah. Uh, You know what the city was like. It's a city of 35,000 people, which is tiny, smaller than Binghamton, but it covers... 51 counties in southeast Missouri and southern Illinois and western Kentucky. It's just a huge market, and that's why it's a a decent sized market, but they're all very small. Sure. Um, Small cities within that market. Cape Girardeau was the biggest city at 35,000 between St. Louis and Memphis. So, but it was fine. I go down there for the interview. They fly me down there. They pay for a hotel. Wow. All these things. I was like, what's going on? The TV stations in this big tower in downtown Cape Girardeau. The news director takes me in. They have an actual newsroom with a newsroom computer system. And the one thing I remember the most was open. He you know, t- took me out the back door. And he's like, this is our fleet of news cars. And there were like six new news cars there. And I thought, wow. This,
0: You've this arrived. Is-
1: <laughs> I was going to be an anchor and I had a real set. It was nice graphics, all that good stuff. And they were going to pay me $25,000. Wow. I was like,
0: okay. All right.
1: So picked up everything and moved to Cape Girardeau, Missouri and uh, lived there for five years. I think I'm probably still the longest running weekend morning anchor in that market because it's just not a job that people stay at long. But for some reason I stayed there for five years uh, after five years, it was time to move on. <clears throat> Did get an agent that time uh, and decided to take a job in Evansville, Indiana at WTVW. The Fox, it was the Fox. It's, it's not a Fox affiliate anymore. It was the Fox affiliate separate. They went through a bunch of mergers and purchases. Uh, they were relaunching their morning show. So they were hiring an entire new morning team. Uh, I was the co-anchor for that show. They brought us in. We kind of tooled the whole show, put it together. Designed something that was supposed to be a little different than what was on the air already, more news-focused, uh, billboards, all that good stuff. And wow, Oh, cool. So went there and um, did that for two years, launched that show, um, was going well, made great friends there. And that is one thing to say about TV, too, that I should. It, you go from all over the country, and people move and pick up and move at all times, and You just meet people who are in the same situation as you, and you become great friends. I was going to ask, is it hard to make that change? Yeah. Yeah. Literally this week, I had a friend from Evansville that I worked with. I didn't even work with her, actually. She worked at the NBC station. Hmm. I was at the Fox. But we were friends because everybody hung out together because you're all poor and in the same situation. (laughs) And uh, she was here Sunday night and Monday night. We went to a concert Monday night, and then another friend from Evansville was flying in for work last night and i had dinner with her so it's just it's it's like the tv camaraderie it's the tv family I believe that,
0: it. i believe uh, it. you
1: make and because you meet so many different people so did evansville for two years on the second day of my contract uh next had just purchased the station
0: oh interesting
1: and they came in and <clears throat> they were just you know they came in on a tuesday and said we're going to go over the books we're going to take a look at things and on thursday some of you won't be here anymore. Oh. So I got to work, anchored the morning news, did the editing, produ- pre-produced for the next day, did the midday show, got our clothing allowance check that day. And just as it was about to end, the news director comes up and you know puts his hands on my shoulders as I'm editing and has a tear in his eye. He's like, you have to go to the general manager's office. I thought, are you kidding me? You're going to let me work all day long and then you're going to can me. <laughs> so I go in there and they were, they were like, you just make too much money to be a morning anchor in this size market. And I was making $41,000, I think. Uh, um, and I was like, okay. So then started over. And then a friend who was the meteorologist on the newscast, I anchored in Cape Girardeau was a meteorologist here in Nashville. He knew that I was looking for work and they had somebody who was out on medical leave and said, hey, do you want to come here and um, freelance while this person's out on medical leave while you look for a job? And my parents lived here. So I thought, yeah, this is cool. I can oh,
0: stay with out. my
1: parents and work for them, work mm-hmm. and not have to pay rent And because I still had a house at Evansville. So came up here and um, that was in 2004, so almost 19 years later, wow. I'm still
0: here. And that whole city in the time that you've been there has just exploded Uh, in like a remarkable way, right? I mean, it's had a really tremendous, tremendous renaissance. And
1: that's really only been in the last seven years. So the first 12 years I was here, I mean, it grew, it was growing and got, but the last, you know, 10 years is when it really has taken off. And it's a totally different city for the good and for the bad. It's, it's cool because we now live in a big city, but it's also a big city with, the fifteen dollar drinks and traffic that come with it. <laughs>
0: right. So I did that.
1: Things. I did TV here for twelve years from two thousand four until January of twenty sixteen.
0: Interesting. So twelve years there. Um two questions. And on my
1: last day, yeah. We got nine inches of snow. Last day in TV, nine inches of snow, which anywhere nine inches of snow is a decent it's amount of snow. Good but amount. But Nashville, for a southern it's, city. It's <laughs> um it's a it's a mess. Yeah and i was <clears throat> first of all i couldn't get out of my driveway and they said i don't care that it's your last day and that you can't get out of your driveway we'll send somebody in a four-wheel drive to come pick you up oh no it's just what they did and then i stood out in the snow from about 10 o'clock in the morning till seven o'clock at night so it solidified night. your decision I, don't want, I think i'm going to miss tv news <laughs> let me just think back to this day and,
0: uh, every time you're feeling romanticized about the world that you had come from um I have, two que- I have two questions. I have two questions, and that's so interesting. So, I know so little about this party, about this part of the world in communications in terms of journalism. Is it imperative that you have an agent? Is that helpful for you to move from market to market and do that kind of work?
1: It really seems like it is now. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody has an agent you mm-hmm. know? I guess. I guess the argument is the agent has the ends and the agent can get you more money than you would get on your own Uh, because you're all of a sudden, you know, you're paying. And once you sign on with an agent, they get you a job. It is like a timeshare. You cannot get rid of it. So you're paying, you know, eight to 10% of your salary. Oh, interesting. For the rest of your career, no matter what you're doing. So Um, yeah, it it does seem like everybody has an agent now, but also if you're in a smaller market and you're just starting out, I don't think you need an agent I mean, when I started, Binghamton was market 154, and that's what you did. You got out of college, you went to some small town where you made mistakes on TV and looked horrible, and there weren't that many people watching, and you honed your craft. You got better you every, and moved to an, the next market, which might have been a 70 or 80, and you got even better there, and then you moved to a Nashville, which is a 29, mm-hmm. and then you went bigger from there, but now, I mean, you can come out of college, say you go to UT Knoxville, and you you'll work in Knoxville which is market 60 and if you if you're halfway decent and put in 2 years there you're in Nashville or you're even in a bigger market like that has totally changed over the last how many years I've been doing this but um <laughs> will tell it's no just, one <laughs> it's a totally different environment than it was when I started yeah, so not different. only in technology and the capabilities but just in you know how you move where you move. But mm. yeah, it does seem like a lot of people have agents these days. But that, I mean, that's 10% of your salary right off the top.
0: I know. Yeah, you couldn't have afford that uh, at $11,000 in, in uh, yeah. Binghamton. My goodness. It that wouldn't been... bother with you because of the, <laughs> 100
1: bucks a month from you. But
0: then also you talked about a clothing allowance. Is that something that, that typically happens in TV?
1: Not as much anymore. And that was a, a weird thing with Evansville. It was a and again this was 2002 so this is 20 years ago, a while ago so yeah. have changed again but um <clears throat> yeah we got a clothing allowance I got I was wearing glasses at the time and they didn't want me to wear glasses so they paid for uh, and this this station would have traded their mother away so they everything was done through trade it wasn't yeah. like you uh, although the clothing odds the first first time was a trade and the second year was a was a, a check so I got contacts and we got gym memberships and we got all this, you know, perks. But it was just trades that the that the sales team got. Right.
0: Sure, sure, sure.
1: But still, it was nice.
0: That's so interesting.
1: But that was the only station I ever worked at. That had yeah, that, had that kind miles. of. that. It was of, also the only station where I was a full time Monday through Friday anchor.
0: Oh, interesting. All right. So now big switch. Right. So you've gone from one side of the camera to the other side of the camera. What would you say was the biggest adjustment for you to make that that switch?
1: There was a lot of adjustments. Um, in TV, you were literally told every day what to do. You're told mm-hmm. what assignment you're going to do. You're going to told where to go to do that assignment. You're told what shows you're going to be in. You're going to told if you're going to be live. You're literally told when to start talking and when to stop talking. Mm-hmm. So coming here, it was just okay. Now, I just have to figure it out on my own. Yeah, and and you go in the TV and you work in the media and you you deal with the people who do the jobs that I'm doing now and you think you know what they're doing and you know you read news releases so you think you can write a news release. Um, it kind of was like that transition from college in print journalism. I thought it was just going to be a very easy transition into TV. Uh, it it wasn't like difficult but you know anything that you start after 20 years of doing one thing and really aren't formally trained to do the other Mm -hmm. uh is going to be have a learning curve let's say absolutely so not only are you coming in and and learning the whole pr side of it then you're learning the whole state government side of it and how Mm -hmm. state government works and the ins and outs of that which are enormous i mean just you know just ordering something is to learn that process so Uh, It it was that was difficult. um, Managing people, you know, Mm -hmm. I was never a manager. Now I have six people under me. I was going to
0: say you have a a decent sized team. That's great.
1: Yeah. So, and, you know, and I think I've come across some pretty bad managers and not really so much here in Nashville, but in other places. And I think that's just part of the problem is they promote up. So you're a reporter or you're a producer and then all of a sudden you're an executive producer and then all of a sudden you're an assistant news director and a news director. But TV never invests in, you know, or has a training now in, in training you to be a manager. Yeah. So that's something the state of Tennessee does very well. They have a lot of different programs that train you to be a manager. And um, because they know that's if you're a good manager, then the, your direct reports are going to like where they work. And it's just, you know, better for retention. So that's, that's something they do put an emphasis on. But that was a learning curve as well. Uh, just managing people. And then just being an adult, you know, that was one of the main reasons I left TV news is here I am at a certain age, and they're hiring people at this big station, one, arguably one of the best stations in the country, one of the, if not the top CBS station in the country, that have been in the business two years and are 24 years old. Yeah, wow. I'm like, let the kids do it. Yeah. This is, this is, it's stressful. You're not making. I still wasn't making any money. The money I was making after 20 years in the business was ridiculous. Um, that's changed a little bit as well, <clears throat> but it's just you know, it was it was just time to time to stop and and find a career that I could gracefully grow old into. Yeah.
0: Um, well, luck, I, figured, I mean, luckily, you know,
1: this is, back in the day when people left TV news, they went into pharmaceutical sales. That was like. <laughs> It does. It
0: it does feel like a very natural transition, though. I feel like there are so many other journalists that I'm familiar with that have gone on to either be uh, spokespeople for representatives or, you know, worked in governor's offices or in spaces like you where they're running communications for a a cabinet agency within the state or otherwise. Um, Even in Washington, D.C., I mean, we've had press secretaries and, and high level communicators that at one point were journalists. And I think the one thing, the one thread that, that, that you sort of brought up in what you said is that the transition is that because you were for so long a consumer of the information that was coming from the government, that your expectation is that the transition is a, is would be easier than it is because really when you're on the other side, you recognize that the processes are longer, the approvals are different, um, yeah. you expect. The one thing um, that I, I didn't share with you before we got on to Taping was that the one thing I've learned in this podcast is that um, you know as a communications person who's taking the incoming from the media, it never dawned on me that members of the media have to ask their communications department for permission to talk, even for this little podcast. Um, people have to get permission in order to do that. So it it didn't dawn on me up until recently that that was something that happened. And there are plenty of other broadcast uh, platforms that don't even allow their talent to talk even about themselves. Um so there's a lot of uh, the learning curve is different but you've been there now okay for 7 years and you obviously just said you're now the chief communications officer which is awesome congratulations tell me a little bit about um about the department and what you do uh for the state now at labor and workforce development
1: It really is a great department um great leadership some of the smartest people I've ever had the honor to work with um And it's really just mission based, you know, Tennessee is a growing state. There are a lot of companies moving here from the coasts and, you know, we don't have a income tax here, a state income tax here. So that, you know, saves a lot of money. And it's a very business friendly state uh, with a, a very business friendly environment that corporations are drawn to. So we are getting a lot of new companies here. But when those new companies move here or they open here, they need people to work, you know. And that's what our governor always says. The state that can provide the workforce is going to be the state that wins. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're tasked with finding that workforce and, you know, and it's all about the labor force participation rate that really got wonky during the pandemic and Mm -hmm. hasn't really bounced back. And, you know, the people are still there. So why aren't they working? we got to find ways to get them working. So it's a really a mission-based department uh, on the workforce services side, but we really are probably in all of the 23 cabinet executive branch departments in Tennessee have the most diverse, just eclectic group of services that we provide. So Workforce Services runs the American Job Centers. The Job Centers across the state, they are in charge of all the federal programs, WIOA and all that good stuff that brings funding in to help people get back to work. But we also are Tennessee OSHA. So we keep the workplace safe. So when somebody goes to work in the morning, they come home at night. Uh, We are adult education. Adult education is workforce development. If somebody doesn't have a high school equivalency diploma or a high school diploma, they're less employable. So if we can get them to have a high school diploma, one, they're going to find better jobs just with that, but Mm -hmm. they can also move on into certificate programs, into higher education and post-secondary. So that's a workforce development component um we do boiler inspections because boilers are a big part of hospitals and things like that where a lot of people work so we got to keep them safe we do elevator inspections we do amusement device inspections which was a little weird um (laughs) i just don't think anybody else wanted it and they put it here we do labor standards we do um workers compensation everything that's related to the worker Mm -hmm. keeping people safe on the job and in promoting workforce development in the state. So it's a very eclectic department with a lot of mission-based divisions that provide a lot of services to a lot of Tennesseans.
0: Do you feel like, um, as you take incoming from media, do you feel like they are, um, I don't know, for lack of a better way to ask, I mean, are they kinder to you because you were once in the media, or is it just... You know, it, it's a transaction. Maybe the
1: first two years because the people I worked with were Maybe. still here, but yeah. TV cycles. You know, most of of cycle, every two years that contracts up, so people are out. So there's, you know, there are people in here now that were in college when I was just starting this job. So yeah. no, they,
0: not necessarily. It's a transaction, just like everything else. Yeah, I get. And that. we
1: don't get that much attention. Thankfully now during the pandemic. Oh, and we run unemployment. That was a little bit of an issue back in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So between April of 2020 and December, I fielded, I believe it was 890 media inquiries. Oh my gosh. By myself.
0: I believe it. Yeah. Holy cow.
1: And it it was like, I had a studio set up in my office. I had a backdrop back there. And if I had to do a, a zoom interview with a TV station, I would just turn around, get a camera flip lights on. There were times I did four or five interviews a day because we have six TV markets here um, and, and unemployment was an issue. It was an issue in every state across the, you know, across the country because who could handle an influx of unemployment like that? So,
0: no. um,
1: but I learned a lot. I learned a lot there and um, it was a good learning experience. None that I would want to ever do again, but.
0: No, I bet not. Do you feel like things are, happened, but yeah. are things rebounding? You think now, does it feel as if things are starting to bounce? back? I mean, you, you made a mention to the fact that you're trying to figure out why people aren't. Coming back to the. Oh, yeah. Our
1: unemployment rate is back down, you know, where it was pre pandemic, um, more jobs than ever before. So, yeah, no, it's Tennessee wasn't hit as hard. And it seems to be that, from what I understand, recessions and things like that and downturns don't hit the state as hard just because we have a very diverse um, mix of different sectors here so Mm -hmm. healthcare is a very big sector travel and leisure is a very big sector so if you know automotive is a huge sector here so if one sector gets hit really hard we still have all these other good sectors that are still just pumping away Um, so it's not like we're dependent on one type of industry that if it gets hit hard, then the whole state takes a downturn. It's very diverse in, in the industries.
0: Oh, that's so good. I'm so glad. Okay, so uh, when Chris is not defending the, uh, the workforce and labor department and uh, not consuming news, because I suspect you still probably can't turn your head away, because how can you not? The news is just nonstop everywhere. Uh, what are you doing for fun?
1: Well, you know, well, so when I was a reporter here, I... Um, had the cool part I covered country music so I got to Mm -hmm. go to all the award shows do all the interviews do all the red carpets and things like that so uh, I don't know that I even listened to country music before I came to Nashville but a huge country music fan so that'll always keep you busy here absolutely um, what's going on and and it's a fun city to live in for that type of stuff it really is you know you never know who you're going to see on the streets which is kind of cool Uh, but besides that it's you know Go to the gym, work out, and then hang out with friends on the weekend. Yeah. I, I need more hobbies.
0: Oh, we all do. Huh? We all do. That's why dry January was not a good thing for me. like, well, what am I going to do What's my hobby?
1: <laughs>
0: it is a great musical town, and I've only been once, and I went literally for like a quick overnight. In fact, I think we tried to connect, and life was yeah. too busy. But the music is like in the air. It's everywhere. It is a magical town. I cannot wait to come back and hang out and really sort of get into some of that because I just loved it downtown so much. Is,
1: downtown is interesting. It's kind of, uh, we've been talking for a half hour because the lights went out. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's turned into a little bit of a theme park that I don't go to very often. But when oh, you sure. have people in from out of town, you go down there and you're like, you know what, if I was from the middle of America or someplace that doesn't, this is kind of fun. It's cool. In a small dose.
0: Yeah, well, it's just like living in Washington D.C. You know, everybody wants to come and do the things, but for people like you and me who work here, uh, you know, we've got to also sort of, you know, get to work on time. So come on with your motorcade, get out of our way. Let's get on to where we need to be.
1: You have motorcades. We have party buses and pedal (laughs) taverns.
0: A pedal now a pedal tavern. (laughs) Now that I've
1: never done a pedal tavern because I just don't see the point in bringing your own liquor and working to move a vehicle around. <laughs> this doesn't really make sense.
0: <laughs> Although, me, so. you know, if we thought about it way back when, back at Trenton State, we, we, so may have, we would now. have made a fortune. Um, okay, so as I get to the end of this conversation, first off, I'm so, so grateful for your time today. Um, I have to ask, is there someone that you could recommend for a future episode of the podcast?
1: Really? I, the person I think of is uh, Professor Kim Pearson at Trenton State College, College of New Jersey, I think they changed the name the year after we graduated. It was so it the year like after, after, I was Indiana, so angry.
0: <laughs> she
1: is still so connected and is always, you know, she had me speak to her class one time about this very topic about journalism and making that transition and, and she's still out there advocating for her students there she has a student that lives in murfreesboro tennessee just a half hour south of here Mm -hmm. that she connected us so we could get together so and she's still there after all these years still producing journalists in new jersey so uh it would be interesting to get her take on how teaching journalism has changed journalism has changed so much over the last mm, so many decades yeah um but so you have to that would have to teach how you change how you teach them as well. So I I would be interested to hear that.
0: Okay. That's a great recommendation. I'm going to tell her you nominated her. And I want to keep close eye on what's happening down there in Tennessee. Chris, thank you so much again for your time today.
1: Well, I appreciate you, and I appreciate seeing you again. It's been a while.
0: And that's today's Friday Reporter Podcast, a podcast in partnership with PR Daily, a tremendous and helpful guide for all things public relations. Find us there on their website, and join us again for another episode soon. Thanks so much. On the morning of August 1st, 1966,